Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley's style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I am your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Hope your holiday weekend is treating you well. Today, I have a fun episode lined up for you. I'm really excited to go through this one because I'm going to be going through all the different roster battles that are going to be taking place in OTAs, mini camps, training camps, preseason, etc. Basically, through the remainder of this offseason and as we get set for this upcoming 2023 season, I think some of these are rather obvious and you probably know without me having to say them. I think some other ones are rather interesting, but what I like to do, of course, is kind of dive into them a little bit deeper and figure out, all right, who has maybe some of the inherent advantages or disadvantages here? So love going through these. Let's kick things off right away with the quarterback position. And this is really the backup quarterback position, right? This is Sean Clifford. This is Danny Etling. And in my opinion, this is also the field. There are a variety of quarterbacks that are out there in free agency. Maybe Green Bay will still dabble in it prior to the start of training camp. Maybe they'll pick one up ahead of time. Maybe they won't. And we'll just see what Danny Etling and Sean Clifford are capable of with the idea in the back of their head that if neither guy works out, they'll just go and find somebody that's still left on the street. Maybe there will be somebody that performs well in preseason as a number three quarterback for another team that maybe they'll go after maybe via a late round trade, or maybe they end up getting released at the end and they claim them off waivers. There's a variety of different ways that this could go about. But at the end, at the end of the day, I think this is ultimately to start between Danny Etling and Sean Clifford. And I do believe Green Bay is going to give both of those quarterbacks every opportunity to earn that backup quarterback job. The loser probably ends up on the practice squad. Now, if we know anything about Brian Gutekunst, it is that he hates releasing his draft picks, especially in their rookie season. So Sean Clifford is going to have a massive inherent advantage here. And even if Danny Etling does beat him out for the number two quarterback position. There is 
a strong possibility that Brian Gutekunst would not want to subject one of his fifth round picks to waivers and that he would just keep Sean Clifford as his number three quarterback on the actual 53-man roster. So that is within the realm of possibility as well. I think it's less likely if Sean Clifford makes it as the backup quarterback that Danny Etling stays on as the number three. In that situation, I think they would just release him and they would try to get him back on the practice squad. But I do think that this will be a legitimate battle going throughout training camp, preseason, etc. But like I said, this is very much going to be a battle that Sean Clifford is given every inherent advantage. The only advantage, and I mean the only advantage that Danny Etling has going for him right now is that he has some level of experience in this offense on his side because this is not his first season in Green Bay everything else. And I mean, everything else lends itself to Sean Clifford having the advantage. Sean Clifford is going to be cheaper. He is going to have a longer term contract under team control longer. He was a, you know, Brian Gutekind's draft pick. He has every advantage in this situation. So if this is close or even remotely close, uh, where maybe even Danny Etling slightly beat out Sean Clifford, my guess is that Sean Clifford will get the nod and end up ultimately being the backup quarterback this season. Now, if Etling performs amazing and or Sean Clifford just really does not show that he's capable of being a backup quarterback at this time, then it's a different story. And then, like I said, Brian's probably going to have to make the decision if he wants to keep Clifford on the roster as the number three, or if he's just willing to subject him to waivers. But my guess, and I'm sure yours probably as well, is that Clifford gets the nod as the backup quarterback, or at least ends up on the roster in some capacity. And in all likelihood, Danny Etling ends up back on the roster as a practice squad player. So those would be my official predictions as of today. But I do think there is, like I said, also a world out there in which neither perform well and Green Bay has to go ultimately in another direction. So it'll be very interesting, but I think this is Sean Clifford versus Danny Etling versus the field for a potential backup spot. And then probably Sean Clifford ends up on the roster in some capacity. But then the question is, is he number two or number three? Running back is also very interesting. Not the top two. Clearly, Aaron Jones is going to be running back one. A.J. Dillon is going to be running back two, and I'm sure they're going to battle for carries here and there. But the number three running back position is much more intriguing to me. And you've got a variety of guys that could potentially fill this spot. You have Patrick Taylor, who has been on the 53-man roster and has actually you know, shown pretty well when he's been given opportunities. Lou Nichols is their seventh round draft choice, and we just talked about it. We know that Brian does not like releasing his draft choices. He kept all four of his seventh rounders from a season ago. Would not shock me if he kept all four seventh rounders from this season. So Lou Nichols will have an inherent advantage there. Tyler Goodson looked really good in preseason a year ago. Now, he is a player that is a really fun runner and has great speed, but he has to round out all the rest of the areas of his game. He's not really a special teams guy. I think he can be a very good receiver out of the backfield, but he needs to be a much better pass protector. Those are going to be the questions that he's going to have to answer if he really wants to get in on this discussion. And then they brought in Emmanuel Wilson as an undrafted free agent as well. Now, some of the other advantages slash disadvantages here, Patrick Taylor on a $940,000 one-year deal, and he is an unrestricted free agent after this season. So Taylor is arguably in the worst spot of all of these running backs because he no longer has any team control after this season. He's going to cost more than any of the other running backs when it comes to salary this upcoming year. He's, uh, I think, the oldest of the four running backs, or at least very much in the discussion. I didn't look up his age, but he's been in the, the NFL the longest of the group. And, you know, he doesn't have any dead salary if they're to release him. So I would also argue probably maybe the most NFL ready right now of the four, 
but probably the lowest upside of the four. And if you're keeping a number three running back around, you would like there to be potentially some upside down the road. There probably isn't too much of that with Patrick Taylor. So I think he's probably in the worst situation just from all the intangibles. Lou Nichols has almost all the advantages in his favor. He has the longest team control. He's under four-year contract. He's a draft pick, seventh round draft pick, and he had does, you know, does have some upside. Green Bay had belief and faith in him, which is why they drafted him. And he does not going to have a massive contract by any means because he's a late seventh round pick. So he almost has every advantage going for him. Tyler Goodson, only 750000 this year. So he has an advantage there, not necessarily over Nichols. Those are basically apples to apples. Uh, he will be an exclusive rights free agent after this year. So he has under team control for another season with a super cheap contract and then would be a restricted free agent after that. So Nichols probably an advantage, but Goodson not far off. And then you've got Emmanuel Wilson, who, as I mentioned, is an undrafted free agent. He has three years of team control and then would be a restricted free agent after that. Probably more of a practice squad candidate and would really have to jump all three of the other running backs. But if I had to handicap this, I would probably say Lou Nichols as the biggest advantage going into this battle, followed by Tyler Goodson. And then you could maybe make a coin flip between Patrick Taylor, who at least has some experience and has shown he can play in the league versus an undrafted free agent who is younger, has more team control, is cheaper, but really just has no experience. And it was kind of a flyer undrafted guy. But Probably Taylor and Wilson, the the bottom two with with Goodson and Nichols being the ones that are really probably battling it out or at least have the biggest advantages going into that number three running back battle. You could also make an argument that maybe they just release all four of them. And if they get even two of them back on the practice squad, they feel pretty good about it knowing they can call guys up. But my guess is they probably keep three and it's probably one of either Nichols or Goodson with Nichols being the odds on favorite going into that battle. Next one is that wide receiver, and that is Bo Melton versus Grant DuBose. And you might just think, all right, we just talked about Brian doesn't like cutting his, his draft picks. This was just a recent seventh round pick and arguably one of the, I think, seventh round picks that maybe people are most excited about. And he's clearly going to have a massive advantage over Bo Melton. And I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I think it's at least worth noting that Bo Melton was a seventh round pick a season ago. And yes, it wasn't by Green Bay. It was by Seattle, but Seattle waves or Seattle waves him. He gets on the practice squad. Green Bay poaches him off the practice squad. And, you know, Bo Melton still has a decent amount of upside. Like I said, they were both seventh round picks. Melton was really fun coming out of college. Super freak athlete. He will be on a $750,000 contract this year. So super cheap. And he will be an exclusive rights free agent going into next season. So he has multiple years of team control still left. Would be a restricted free agent after that. And there is certainly still some upside there for Bo Melton as well. So assuming they keep the other five and, you know, Dontavian Wicks or Samori Toure don't all of a sudden find themselves on the hot seat for some reason, or there's no injury, that number six wide receiver spot likely between both Bo Melton and Grant DuBose. And yes, I would give Grant DuBose a huge advantage going into this battle, but it's at least one worth keeping an eye on. And maybe, just maybe Bo Melton could get his name in that conversation, but DuBose will have all the inherent advantages going into that off-season battle. That brings us to the starting offensive line position. And this isn't where we're looking at who gets cut and who stays, but more importantly, who's ultimately the starter. We know Bakhtiari's a starter. We know Elton Jenkins is a starter. And then things get a little bit more interesting. We know the four names that will probably fill in the other three spots. We just don't know exactly how they will fill those in. So you have Zach Tom, 
you have Yash Nyman, you have Josh Myers, and you have John Runyon Jr. And those four players are battling for three starting spots. And if we were going to handicap this, I think we would all say John Runyon Jr. has been the best of the four and probably is the most likely to just retain that right guard position, which then comes down to center and right tackle. And you've got Josh Myers and Zach Tom potentially at center. You've got Yash Nyman and Zach Tom potentially at right tackle. As of now, and just what we saw from one open OTA to the media, it was Josh Myers at center and Zach Tom did not spend any time at center, at least that I saw during our short time being able to watch practice. He stayed at right tackle and he kicked into right guard a little bit. So that would lead me to believe that this is likely going to be, by, I mean, and we're still so early in this, by the way. So this is in no way, shape or form is this like set in stone, but Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, John Runyon Jr. And probably that final spot is between Yash Nyman and Zach Tom. But a lot can happen between now and the start of the regular season. And I think any one of those players could theoretically find themselves out of the starting lineup. The least likely is definitely John Runyon Jr. But I do think it's within the realm of possibility, especially with Zach Tom already getting some reps at right guard as well. So we'll take a look at all of that. It's possible that Elton could kick to another spot. Maybe he goes to center. Maybe all of a sudden John Runyon Jr. moves back to left guard. Maybe Zach Tom plays that right guard. And then maybe you end up with Yash at right tackle with Josh coming off the bench. There's a variety of different ways that this could go, but it's at least worth keeping an eye on to see who ends up with those three final starting spots between those four players. Or is there another player that all of a sudden catches up and gets their name in the conversation as well? That will also be worth keeping an eye on. And then you have the rest of the offensive line battle, which really just comes down to who ultimately makes the roster and who is like sort of the next depth pieces up after the top six. You've got Rashid Walker, Sean Ryan, Jake Hansen, Royce Newman, Caleb Jones, and Luke Tenuta, all as the most likely players. Now, we already named the first six players on the list. This is another six. That brings you to 12. You're not keeping 12. You're probably keeping 10. So two of these players probably end up on the chopping block. Maybe they could keep 11, but probably 10. So you're going to have to release two of these players. Rashid Walker, seventh round pick last year, three years remaining on his deal, still super cheap. He has a lot of advantages. Sean Ryan, third round pick a season ago, three years remaining on his deal, still super cheap. So he has an advantage. Jake Hansen, not so much. 940000 this year, and he's a restricted free agent next year. So he does have some team control. And if he looks really good, that's fine. But you know, you start talking about even a, um, you know, right of first refusal or the bare minimum offer that you can make is over that like two to 3 million mark. Now it's a pretty significant contract for a backup caliber player. So Jake Hansen, you know, 940 K this year as a restricted free agent next year. He does not have the advantages in his favor and is probably one of the older ones on this list. So he's probably the, the, you know, lowest hanging fruit. If you had to just release someone right now, it probably is Jake Hansen. Royce Newman makes the most of this group, 1.06 million this upcoming season. Now he's still under contract for 2024, which gives him an advantage over Jake Hansen. I also think he's just slightly better than Jake Hansen. But after that next year, he's an unrestricted free agent and he does make a little bit more money than the rest of the group. So I don't think his job is necessarily safe. Caleb Jones, 870,000 this year, and then is an exclusive rights free agent, followed by a restricted free agent after that. So basically this year and next year of true team control, and then you'd have to make that restricted free agent decision like you had to do with Yash Naiman this year. And then Luke Tenuta, 870K this year. He has two years remaining on his contract after this in 2024 and in 2025, because he was on his rookie deal. And remember, they claimed him off of waivers. So 
I would argue here that Rashid Walker, Sean Ryan, and Luke Tenuta actually have the very best opportunity here just based on where they're at from a contract standpoint, youth, etc. Caleb Jones probably after that. And then you start getting into Royce Newman versus Jake Hansen. Or could it just be that Royce Newman and Jake Hansen are the two odd men out? That could be you know within the realm of possibility as well. So that will be another battle that is worth keeping an eye on. Next up is probably less significant, but it's Devontae Wyatt versus TJ Slayton. Now, Kenny Clark's going to be, you know, defensive lineman one, and then you end up with number two and three, Devontae Wyatt and TJ Slayton in some capacity. And they're not the exact same player. TJ Slayton a little bit bigger, a little bit more physical, Devontae Wyatt a little bit more of a gap penetrator. So you, you don't have the same exact players, right? But one of those players is probably going to be the primary number two defensive lineman behind Kenny Clark. And I think that's where it becomes a little bit more interesting is, did those snaps primarily go to TJ Slayton or did they go to Devontae Wyatt? I'm sure they would love Devontae Wyatt to win that battle, but I think TJ Slayton's going to make it difficult. And while it doesn't have a huge bearing, both of those guys are going to play a lot. Both of them are going to play a similar amount of snaps. You're going to play a lot of two defensive linemen. You're going to play two guys on the edge, two guys on the interior. Kenny Clark's going to get a ton of those snaps. So who's the number two? Is it Wyatt? Is it Slayton? And I think that's a really fun battle. And one, I think a lot of people are probably hoping Wyatt just wins. But listen, if either of those guys can be really good, I don't necessarily care which one it is. I would just love to see one of those guys take a very significant step in 2023. And then the next one is very similar. It's just instead of the number two versus the number three, it's the number four versus the number five. And that's Colby Wooden versus Carl Brooks. I think Wooden probably has a little bit of an advantage here just based on even off how he was used at OTAs. He got actually some reps with that number one defense and he was the fourth round pick, right? Rather than Carl Brooks being the sixth round pick. So I think Wooden has some inherent advantages there, but they're going to play the best guy. So Wooden, Brooks, one of them's probably number five. The other one, or excuse me, number four, the other one's probably number five. And, you know, maybe Jonathan Ford can get his name in that conversation. Maybe a Chris Slayton, who had a really nice preseason a season ago, could get his name in the conversation. But if I had to guess, Kenny's going to be one, followed by some form of Slayton or Wyatt as number two and number three, and then Wooden and Brooks fighting for four and five, and then probably like a Jonathan Ford, uh, maybe a Chris Slayton fight for that number six if they decide to keep six defensive linemen. So Wooden, Brooks, who ends up as number four, who ends up as number five. Then you get to inside linebacker. And this is another really interesting one. Isaiah McDuffie, Tariq Carpenter, and Eric Wilson. And there could only be two spots available. You're going to keep Carpenter. You're going to keep Quay Walker. And then you've got maybe two spots. Maybe they keep all three. And I think that actually might be the most likely scenario here is that they just keep all three of those players. All three are on pretty good deals. All three are core special teams players. So there's a very good chance that just all of them get kept. But even if they all get kept, then you still have to sort out who's number three, who's number four, and who's number five. And then you also have to you know sort of sort out of if they do only keep four, who's the odd man out. And that's an interesting battle as well, because the argument would be, well, it's going to come down to special teams. And maybe there is some level of truth to that, but all three phenomenal special teams players. So that would be very interesting as well. McDuffie has 972 plus K on his contract this year and has one more year under contract. Tariq Carpenter, 896 K on his contract this year with two more years under contract. And then Eric Wilson is on the one year $1.1 million deal and he has zero years left on his contract. So based off of that, based on this being a younger team, as much as they really gave Eric Wilson a bonus and probably would like to keep him on the roster, if they have to release one of those three, my guess is it would probably be Wilson and they'll go with the two younger players in McDuffie and Carpenter. But I do think there's a really good chance that all three end up on the final 53-man roster. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everybody. Here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. This brings us to another one that's not super important, uh, but still fun to look at nonetheless, and that is Lucas Van Ness versus Kingsley and Igbari. Preston Smith, going to have one of those starting jobs locked down, you know, starting week one. Rashawn Gary probably ends up on a pup list and probably doesn't end up playing till later in the season. So that leaves a starting edge position still available. And that fight is going to be between Lucas Van Ness and Kingsley and Igbari. Now, as I mentioned, doesn't matter a ton because both are going to play a ton. They're both going to be rotational edge rushers. When Rashawn gets back, Rashawn's the starter and both of them end up as rotational number three, number four uh, edge rushers. And Igbari is going to be a little bit more of your change of pace guy, you know, a little bit more speed, a little bit more agility off the edge. Lucas Van Ness is going to be more of your bull rush speed to power guy, but also has some moves at his disposal and also is going to be able to kick in and put his hand in the dirt a little bit as well. So it's not exactly apples to apples here that we're going through, but it is still an interesting battle because one of them is going to be the starter opposite Preston Smith week one. My guess, Lucas Van Ness, your guess is probably Lucas Van Ness as well, but don't count out Kingsley and Igbari just yet. And I do think Enigbari is at least going to give Lucas Van Ness a fight for that starting edge position going into week one. That brings us to the backup edge positions, which is also super interesting because you've got four guys here. Now, you know, with the, the top three, or at least, you know, Preston, Enigbari, and uh, Lucas Van Ness, you've got three there. Rashawn Gary is going to come back at some point, but maybe you have two to start and then maybe, you know, one of them gets released once Rashawn comes back. But either way, they can't keep all four of these guys. 
You've got Jonathan Garvin, Brenton Cox, the undrafted free agent, Justin Hollins, and Ladarius Hamilton. Now, Garvin is on a $1.03 million deal and is on the last year of his contract. And he seems to be on his final life year. And unless he has an amazing camp, I think he would probably be, you know, be the one that is the odd man out here. Brenton Cox has three years of team control and then is a restricted free agent after that. Only $753,000 this year. So super cheap deal. Would have been drafted if it weren't for some off-field or just, you know, those sort of concerns. Got kicked off at two teams, once at Georgia, once at Florida this past year. So he needs to get some of that together. But if he can, this would have easily been a draftable player out of the University of Florida. Green Bay could have a steal if he can just sort of, you know, keep his head above water. So Brenton Cox, another really interesting one here. Justin Hollins signed the one-year deal, $1.28 million, but he has the highest salary of anyone on this list. And Green Bay would have some potential savings if they decided to go in another direction. It's also probably the best of the four. So that's an interesting one. Also not a huge special teams guy. And Ladarius Hamilton, 940K this year, exclusive rights free agent. He actually had a really nice OTA the other day. A couple pressures. I think one of them probably would have, at least one of them would have ended in a sack had it been live. But 940K, exclusive rights free agent. So does have team control this year and going into next year on a super cheap deal if they wanted to go in that direction. But overall, those maybe one to two spots available for Garvin, uh, Brenton Cox, Justin Hollins, and Ladarius Hamilton. I think Hollins has a really good chance. He's just the best of the four. And then you probably get to Brenton Cox or maybe a Ladarius Hamilton after that. Maybe they still like Jonathan Garvin every year. I'm like, yeah, there's no way they keep Jonathan Garvin and they keep keeping Jonathan Garvin despite him not showing up to you know non-mandatory OTAs or anything like that. It's a weird situation, but some reason they keep keeping him. So until they don't, I guess you know Jonathan Garvin might be the guy. But I would probably go with you know Justin Hollins, Brenton Cox is maybe the ones that have the advantage here. You then get into the backup corner spots and you've got Razul, you know, you've got Jair, Stokes is going to come off of the pup list. And then um, you've got Keyshawn Nixon as well. And then it becomes very interesting. You've got probably four guys that are fighting for those next spots. And really you're talking about one of these guys is going to be next man up. If either Jair, Razul or Keyshawn Nixon were to get hurt and not be able to play until Eric Stokes comes back. And who knows when Stokes is going to come back. This is a very significant injury with the Liz Frank that he's recovering from. So one of these guys is your number four corner, your dime corner, and your next guy up if there is any sort of injury and all of a sudden playing like 90% of the snaps, which is crazy, right? So Shamar John Charles, Keandre Thomas, Carrington Valentine, and Corey Valentine. Shamar John Charles, $1 million deal, one year left on the contract, He's not in a great position. And when all those corners were out, no Stokes, no Razul, no Jair, it was not Shamar John Charles. It was Keandre Thomas and it was Corey Ballantyne with Keyshawn Nixon in the slot. So that is telling as well. Now, maybe Shamar is just seen as a slot corner, which is very possible. And so he's just behind Keyshawn at that point. So they send him down to the other side and have him play slot over there. That's probably what happened. But he was not one of the guys on the outside. And I think that could ultimately hurt him here. Doesn't have the team control, isn't young anymore. I mean, he's young still, but not compared to the other guys. Has the highest salary cap really of any of these guys, at least right there with Corey Ballantyne. So not a great spot for Shamar to be in. Keandre Thomas, only 870K. He did get the nod as the starter with the starting group when all of those guys were gone. Exclusive rights free agent. You know, could I, in my opinion, be a strong core special teams guy if given the opportunity? 
you know, Valentine, Carrington Valentine's another one, seventh round pick. Again, we know Goot doesn't like cutting his, his draft picks. I think he probably gets a roster spot in some capacity. And then you've got Corey Valentine, who's a core special teams player, $1 million deal this year, but would be an unrestricted free agent after this year. Not a ton of long-term upside either. So this is a very interesting one. And like I said, not only are they going to keep a couple of those guys, but one of them is going to be their next man up until Eric Stokes gets back. So a very interesting battle there. And then that brings us to maybe our most interesting battle, and that's the safety battle. Darnell Savage is going to get one of those spots and probably, in, in, in my opinion, very clearly one of the starting spots. And then the other spot and all the other spots are totally up for grabs. You've got Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, Tavarius Moore, Anthony Johnson Jr., Dallin Levitt, and Ennis Gaines. And in my opinion, Darnell Savage and Anthony Johnson Jr. are the only two that are very, very, like, that are going to make the team in some capacity. And Johnson's probably not a super lock because he was a late seventh round pick, but probably makes the team just based off his youth and potential upside. And then you become very, very interested with who gets the other spots and who ultimately starts opposite from Darnell Savage. And the weird thing is, is going into this, I would have been like, Dallin Levitt's probably the easy release here, but they signed four veteran safeties to one-year deals. Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, Tavarius Moore, and Dallin Levitt. And do you want to know which of those four got the most guaranteed money? Dallin Levitt. Dallin Levitt got the most guaranteed money of those four. So as I've mentioned in the past, you can almost take the safety label off of him and just put the special teams label on him and basically make him the fourth specialist after the kicker, punter, long snapper. It's basically kicker, punter, long snapper, and Dallin Levitt. That's where I would put him, but he does still have that safety moniker. So that's a very interesting decision here and how he factors into that. Rudy Ford, 1.5 million, but an unrestricted free agent after this year, only 50K in dead cap. Uh, Jonathan Owens, 1.01 million, unrestricted, zero mil in dead cap if they were to release him. Tavarius Moore, 990K, unrestricted after this year, only 50K in dead cap. Anthony Johnson Jr. is a seventh round pick. Like I said, very likely that they keep him. Dallin Levitt, 1.4 million, unrestricted after this year, but 150K in dead cap. Again, they gave him the most guaranteed money. Innis Gaines, 870K only. So he's got he's the cheapest option there and is an exclusive rights free agent after this year. So not only do they have this year cheapest, they have another year of team control next year, and he'd be a restricted free agent after that. So Ennis gains a lot of uh, potential, you know, or I guess more opportunity there to keep him long-term, maybe a little bit more upside. Special teams, you could argue, to, you know, plays a major part here as well. But Rudy Ford, core special teams guy. Tavares Moore, core special teams guy. Anthony Johnson Jr., I think, could become a core special teams guy. Dallin Levitt, the core special teams guy. Ennis Gaines, core special teams guy. You know, Jonathan Owens is probably going to have to really fight to get his name in that conversation and really show what he can do on special teams as well. But that safety battle, not only the starting spot, but who ultimately makes the roster, going to be very, very interesting to keep an eye on. And then the one we've all been waiting for, the long snapper battle. Matt Orzik versus Broughton Hatcher. I don't even know if I'm saying Broughton Hatcher's first name right, but we're going to think that I am. These two, very interesting because Matt, at least as far as long snappers go, Matt Orzik seems to have every right to win this battle, right? Because he got a guaranteed deal. Like they signed him unrestricted free agent off the Rams, guaranteed money given, 1.18 million this year. He's got two years remaining on the deal. That seems all great, grand, wonderful. But Hatcher also has three years remaining on his deal. He's cheaper this year at only 750K. And the interesting thing here is that if they're equal, Hatcher is actually younger 
And you would, even though you would pay the dead cap hit on Orzik for the guaranteed money that you gave him, the dead cap for Orzik plus Hatcher's base salary is cheaper than cutting Hatcher, who doesn't have any dead cap, and you know keeping Orzik on the roster who has a higher salary. So if you, if everything's equal, Hatcher is actually the younger, cheaper option to go with, even though you have to swallow a little bit of dead cap by releasing Orzik. So the weird thing here is it would seem on paper like Orzik has the advantage because they gave him the guaranteed money, but the cheaper, younger option is actually Broughton Hatcher. So this is legitimately best man win, and whoever ends up being the better long snapper in camp is going to get that job. And just because they gave you know Orzik some guaranteed money, they actually are better off long term keeping Hatcher if all things are equal. So that will be another really interesting one, at least again as far as long snappers can be interesting uh, to at least keep an eye on as well. Those were all the battles. I think it's going to be really, really fun. I can't wait. As I've been telling you, I'm geeking out about this season. Some of these roster battles are going to be really, really fun to keep an eye on. I'll be keeping an eye on all of them as I go to OTAs, mini camps, training camps, etc. So make sure to subscribe here if you have not already so you can get all of those updates as we go through the rest of the off season. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode. Enjoy your weekend. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.